0: Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness. Philippians two, five through seven, it's our core verse this week we started a sermon series last week looking at the leadership principles from jesus and there is no one better suited to teach us leadership than our creator the lord not only of heaven but of all the universe he leads everything and so who better to learn leadership from as christians we are called to follow in his steps so we want to lead like Jesus and so what we're looking at is what does leading like Jesus look like? Well Philippians 2.5 says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus and so what we're going to focus on this morning this ties in perfectly with what Scotty was just saying is that uh, that's an attitude of humility throughout the Bible God commands his people to be humble. There's a simple principle, it's often repeated, that God exalts the humble and humbles the haughty, the proud. All right? And this is uh, kind of the divine reversal, if you will. Scripture teaches this principle over and over in different ways. Proverbs 16:18 says, pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Job 22:29 says, "When they're humbled, you say it's because of pride, but he saves the lowly." And Jesus, our master leader we're learning from, he repeated this theme in his own preaching, Matthew 23:12, "Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted." There's a warning here, you know, don't toot your own horn, don't brag, don't assume you're the most important, stay humble. James has his own rendition of this too, James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. But maybe my favorite is Peter's, 1 Peter uh, 5.5b, it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble clothe yourselves with humility now there are some looks that not everyone should try to pull off i was joking with one of the young men here recently he's growing his hair into a mullet and i said you think i should try that i i mean i'm bald on top but i can still grow it out long in the back and and it would just be you know long in the back and bald on top that's like really business at the front party in the back a, a bald mullet i could call it a bullet maybe i don't know they he was like uh <laughs> I, don't, I don't know uh, and i was like man <laughs> i'm kidding i i know that wouldn't look good on me um there are some things that they look good on some people but they do not look good on others but do you know what looks good on everyone humility Humility looks good on everyone. It's the opposite of arrogance. Arrogance is rarely attractive, but humility always looks good. It makes everyone look better. Uh, Humility is not just attractive, it's also functional. Like You have clothes that they not only look good, but they also perform well. Maybe you have a favorite jacket that looks great and It also keeps you very warm, and it has lots of handy pockets for uh, keeping things. Well, when we clothe ourselves in humility, it's kind of like that jacket. Like, it looks good on us, and humility is also functional. Peter said, God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. So one of the functions of humility is we have God's favor and not his opposition. That's a great thing to have. Humility also helps us to have a proper view of ourselves. You know, there are some people that think that the world just revolves around them. There was a celebrity this week, I I heard this story on the radio, um, who went into a frozen yogurt shop and she saw a sign next to one of the flavors saying sugar-free. And she just went off on it. Uh, she put them on blast on twitter and she was trying to cancel them you know the whole cancel culture she was trying to cancel this shop like how dare they do this because she was like i struggle with eating disorders and sugar-free this is the problem right here and it triggered her and she didn't get the response that she wanted online people responded to her saying look this isn't about body shaming some people need sugar-free stuff for health issues you know, like diabetes, and, and if you don't want a sugar-free option, you don't have to eat it. Like, you don't have to try to cancel everything just because you don't like it. Like, you can just ignore it. And she hadn't really considered that because in her mind it was just about, how does this affect me? All that mattered was the way that it made her feel, never mind that she was taking her millions of followers and trying to get them against this small business. Humility could have helped out there because humility helps us to see beyond ourselves and see how things might affect others. So that's another great function of it. Humility looks great on everyone. Humility is functional. And so that's a great thing because humility is the dress code of God's kingdom. God, growing up, you... You know, if you were like me and you went to like a uh, maybe a very traditional church, you dressed up for church and you were like, "Man, God must really care about my suit, my fancy dress." But honestly, the more you start to study Scripture, you realize God isn't as concerned with our dress on the outside as long as we are dressing modestly. As much as He is concerned with how we are dressed spiritually, God cares how we are dressed spiritually a lot. God cares if we are wearing our spiritual armor, for example. He cares if we are dressed with righteousness and with faith and with peace, all the armor. And and God also wants us to be clothed in humility. Like if I was wearing a three-piece suit, but I had pride, I'm not... That's not the right dress code, you know? Uh, there, there are essential what-to-wear items for every Christian, but it's spiritual what to wear. We all need to be wearing humility. We all need to be wearing the armor of God, all right? Those are essential what to wear for all Christians. And, and sometimes it's hard for us to wear humility. Sometimes it's hard to put it on. Sometimes it's hard to keep it on. It's one of those things... That like, if you, I don't know if you ever wore something that just had trouble like staying on, right? Be like, man, it, it just keeps falling off. Uh, but it can be hard for us to realize sometimes when our humility falls off, it can be hard for us to realize that we need to be wearing humility better. We need to be more humble. And so sometimes whenever we hear a sermon on humility, we might think, man, this is good because I know someone else that needs to hear this today. But we avoid the self-application. And so to help with that, I have a list I want to share with you. It's, it's about how to tell you if you need to wear humility better. So listen to this, and you can see if any of these might apply to you. Number one, you take everything personally. Uh, people that struggle with humility, that need to wear humility better, man, they make everything about them. Uh, it's like that girl with the yogurt shop. You know, These people, they get defensive often, They get offended easily. They don't often defend others, but they are quick to defend themselves. They're always trying to prove themselves to others because they care a lot about what people think. Well, if you're easily offended, you spend your time defending and improving yourself. That's rooted in pride, which is the enemy of humility. And going back to our earlier analogy, when we picture Pride and humility as clothes, it's not just that they clash, that they don't match. Well, it's actually impossible to wear them at the same time. You cannot wear pride and humility at the same time. And so one thing to remember whenever you're thinking about pride is that pride is not necessarily thinking that you're the best. Because I think some people think, well, I don't suffer with pride because I don't think I'm the best. Pride is not thinking you're the best. If so, only a few of us would suffer from it. But really, most, if not all of us, suffer from pride because pride isn't necessarily thinking too much of yourself. It is thinking of yourself too much. You see the difference there? This goes right along with one of the most famous quotes of C.S. Lewis who said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Seeing, being humble, it's not about thinking, yeah, I just need to think that I'm worse than I really am. No, being humble is, I need to change my focus off of me. Right? Being prideful is, I'm focused too much on me. And being humble is, I need to focus not on me. I need to focus where then? Well, on God, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But when we think of ourselves less We're not going to take everything personally. Everything's not just going to be about how it makes us feel. The second sign you need to wear humility better is you think that your desires are the most important. When it comes to making a group decision, then, yeah, everybody might have a vote, but what you want matters most, and if you're not happy, then no one's going to be happy. right? You're going to complain, you're going to try to spread some discontent. When it comes to church, we don't get a ton of calls or emails asking for people, I'd love to help out somewhere, or saying, I'd I'd love for you to reach out to these people, see what we could do to help out these people. But, But we do get emails, calls, fairly consistently saying, I'd like you to change this. I'd like it this way. Um... We all have preferences. It's fine if you want to share them, but if you get mad about your preferences when they don't go your way, that means that your preferences are what you're most passionate about instead of worshiping God. That's a humility issue. We need to remember it's not about us. Philippians 2, 3 through 4, two verses right before the, the ones I quoted there at the beginning, it says this, Do Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but instead in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So that's what we want to be focusing on, is not what do I want, but I'm looking at the interest of others. I'm not looking at anything to try to uh, make me get ahead. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, right? Number three, you always think that the other person needs to apologize. You might need to wear humility better. If you always think that someone else needs to apologize, you could also put change in there in your blank and your no taker. You know, you always you always think the other person needs to change. They they go to hand in hand. The two go together. People with a lack of humility, they rarely admit that they have done anything wrong in an argument. It's always the other person's fault. And so they're going to focus on what the other person should have done differently. But not much on what they could have done differently. And again, this is something where I think that we all need to wear better. Uh, I'm preaching to myself here, too. But it's like where Jesus talked about the man who who would point out the speck in his brother's eye but ignore the plank in his own eye. Um, you're quick to point out someone else's fault but not to recognize your own. Uh, number four, you tend to be negative and critical instead of positive and grateful. These people are kind of like the... Uh, the ant problem in that Geico commercial, I don't know if y'all seen that one, where they're like, yeah, we have an ant problem, and all their aunts, all their aunts, are just in the house bringing all this negative energy. They're going through the fridge, like expired, expired, expired. They're even like seeing it's a big house, and they're like, yeah, it's a big house. I hope you can clean it all. Like They just they can't be positive. They can't be grateful. Uh, people like this, They they just... They're, they're perfectionists. And it's hard for perfectionists to have humility because they want everything perfect and they're easy, they're quick to find fault with other things. And man, again, I struggle with this too. If, but if an event is 90% great, they'll be like, yeah, it was pretty good. Let me tell you what was wrong. And then they'll just go on and talk about everything that was wrong with it. Negative and critical people it's not always funny like the Geico commercial a lot of times what ends up happening is they end up kind of pushing away and alienating people in their life people want to oh I just don't even want to talk to them I'm not I don't even want to deal with that right now and and you'll have it where people uh, say eh, nobody ever calls me nobody ever wants to hang out with me and and they're complaining about it on Facebook you're like hmm I hate that, but it's because you push them away every time they come. Uh, humble people are grateful people. They're thankful people. They're people that go out of their way to focus on their blessings and list their blessings. They offer grace instead of demanding perfection. So whenever the waiter or the waitress is being slow, they're like, hey, it's okay, I get it. We all have days like this, and like, I can't believe that they haven't been here in five minutes. You know, it's that's a sign of humility and lack of humility. Are you wearing humility right? Are you patient with people? All right, humble people are patient people. And the fifth side that you need to wear humility better is that after all these, you're still thinking of other people that need to hear this. <laughs> Even after all that, you're like, yeah, I, I don't see any areas I need to improve on. But man, I hope they're listening on Facebook right now, you know, or you're like looking over at somebody. Um, but the truth is, we all need to wear humility better, even if we don't realize it. Uh, maybe especially if we don't realize it, you know, because that means you're having a spiritual wardrobe malfunction. And you're not even aware of it. You're not even aware of the problem. She's like, I'm fine. (laughs) But if we all need to grow in humility, then, like I said, it it starts with our focus. I'm not saying that you need to think you're worse than you are. It's you need to think less of yourself. And you need to think of yourself less. In other words, you, you need to be not so much focused on me. You need to be focused on others the question is how how do we fight our pride how do we grow in humility and it starts with focusing on God more I know that sounds like a simple answer but oftentimes it's the simple things that we know that we need to do that we know would be good for us but that we don't do like lots of people want six-pack abs and they know they need to do some sit-ups to get them, and they're like, hmm, that's all right, but I'd still like them. Well, you want to be more humble. You don't have to go humiliate yourself, but you do have to learn to picture God in His splendor, and you standing before Him. You're standing before God. He is seated on His throne. He's in brilliant light, surrounded by all these angels and strange creatures that are just singing His praise nonstop, and you are before Him and you are insignificant. At least you feel that way. Because like, you realize, I don't even deserve to be in His presence. Because you're so aware of His holiness and your unholiness. In Isaiah 6, we see Isaiah have this attitude in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. So they have four wings devoted to just being humble. We don't deserve to look at you. you know? um, we don't deserve to you know, the cover the feet was a humility thing, too. And then with two, they're actually flying. And they're calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shake and the temples fill with smoke. Verse 5, Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah. Woe to me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen The King, the Lord Almighty, Isaiah, had this vision of God and it humbled him. Now, let me be clear, spiritually, um, not because of anything that we do, but because of being washed into the blood of the Lamb and and having uh, been redeemed by Christ, we are able to be in the presence of God but that should not be a thing where you get pride out of that. It should be a thing where you're thankful to Jesus for that. When we imagine ourselves before the throne of God, we should be like We should be humbled. We should be very humbled. I mean, you're talking about the creator, not just of us, but of the entire universe, the timeless, the all-powerful, the holy, 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 the awesome God. Isaiah started the chapter saying in the year that King Uzziah died. Let me tell you about King Uzziah. King Uzziah, he actually became king when he was a teenager. He was 16 years old, and he was leading all of Judah. Now, I remember um, having problems with pride whenever I was 16 years old because I had a driver's license and I had some cool shoes. I can't imagine how much pride I would have had if I was actually in charge of a nation. How easy would it have been for Uzziah, the teenage king, to have just crazy pride. But listen to what Second 2 Chronicles 26.5 says about Uzziah when he became king. Verse 5, it says, He sought God during the days of Zechariah, Who instructed him in the fear of God? As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Uzziah, we all want to learn different things. Uzziah wanted to be instructed in the fear of God. That's not something they teach at school today. It's not something that a lot of churches even talk about. But man, that's something that we all need to be instructed in. Because you want to grow in humility, it starts with the fear of God. It starts, And again, this fear is not a I cringe in terror, but it is a super healthy respect at your Creator and understanding where you are and where He is. When you say, I want to learn to fear God, it's like saying, I want to learn to feel small. It's a great way to keep perspective, not get a big head. Because being king of Judah, even, is nothing compared to being the creator and sustainer of the universe. No matter our accomplishments, you could be great at academics or at sports or be super popular, but whatever you're feeling pride about. Man, you can get humble again real fast when you go before God in prayer and you imagine yourself kneeling before your Creator, talking to Him, praising Him, confessing your sin to Him, thanking Him for the blessings in your life. There is no better way to grow in humility than to spend time with God. So yeah, the answer is prayer, and it's simple, but you've got to do it. Alright? That's how we focus on Him. We focus on Him in prayer, and we focus on Him also in Scripture. We focus on God in Scripture, and we can see how Jesus perfectly modeled humility for us. To call Jesus humble, it almost doesn't even do it justice because He's so far beyond any other example of humility that we've seen. Again, Philippians 2 5 7 Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This is so far beyond any humility we've seen because. This is the Incarnation. The Incarnation is the perfect example of humility. What we see here is God laying down His divine privilege. Jesus giving up the omnipresence and omniscience and omnipotence all for us giving up the immortality and being clothed in flesh that can get scraped and get sick and can die and becoming one of the created and taking on the form of not just one of the created, but still as their king, but no, as a servant, being born as a helpless baby, raised by commoners, homeless as a man, all in humility to lead us to God and ultimately rescue us from our fallen state. There has never been humility like God becoming one of his creation. Jesus purposefully put himself in a humble place for our sake, and as leaders, we need to do the same. Not on the scale that Jesus did, of course. We're not immortal, turning ourselves into mortals to serve mortals and die for mortals. But but on a much lesser scale, we can all learn this humility lesson that, Humble leaders are willing to give up things for the people that they are leading. Now, it might be that you give up sleep, you give up safety, you give up money, you give up food, you give up time. There's lots of different things to give up, but humble leaders give up things for the good of those that they are leading. Secondly, Jesus used his power for the powerless. Those with pride will use their power to get all the best for themselves, to get the best position, the best stuff, the most money. But Jesus did not pursue any of that. He came as a servant and he used his power for others. I mean, a man that can raise the dead could get people to give him any amount of money to bring back a loved one. But Jesus never did that. He acted with love as his motivation, not riches. A man that could heal the blind and diseased and lame. You talk about having a lucrative doctor career. That could have been Jesus. Jesus could have been very well off, not homeless. But he did all his healing for free. A man that could multiply a small lunch to feed thousands? Man, he could have made a fortune in the restaurant business. But Jesus was never about trying to be rich. He only wanted to point people to God. And if they were hungry, he would feed them. Over and over, we see Jesus show humility by using his power not to advance himself, but for the powerless. Humble leaders use their power not to advance themselves, but for the powerless. We all have certain skills and abilities that God has blessed us with that we can use to help others, and when we do this, not because we want to advance our own reputation, but because we want to help those in need, then we are following Jesus' example of humility. Humility. Jesus modeled humility for us by valuing others above himself and serving others. In addition to all the miracles I, I just talked about, we see Jesus putting others before himself time and time again. You know, we often talk about, you know, Jesus uh, modeling serving through washing feet. So I wanted to steer away from that one this time, though it's a great example. I want you, in Matthew 14, I want to point this out to you. We see how Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded by King Herod. If you don't know the story, it was totally unjust. Um, Herod had his uh, his wife's daughter actually dance for him. And he was so infatuated, he was like, I'll give you whatever you want up to half the kingdom. She's like, I want John to Baptist head on a platter. And he did it, not because John did anything wrong, but because he wanted to save face. So John is murdered for no reason at all, basically. This is Jesus' cousin, all right? And I'm sure that's a hard thing for Jesus to find out. I mean, anytime you hear there's been a death in your family, It's hard. But to hear, no, they were totally just murdered unjustly. They were beheaded for no reason. This is the one that had baptized Jesus, and now he's dead. And I'm sure Jesus, understandably, wanted some time to mourn and just be left alone for a little bit. Matthew 14 tells us about John's death, and then it says in verse 13, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Jesus always had crowds following him. Even when he wanted to be alone, the crowds would go follow him. So Jesus, he knows, man, there's nowhere I can really go here to be alone. I'm going to get in a boat and I'll just go over to the other side of the water so I can be alone alone. And he goes out, and the crowds see him going, and they're like, ah, I see where he's going, and they walk around to go meet him there. And so <laughs> Jesus, when he's getting ready to land, there's the crowd again. He just needs to be alone. You could uh, totally understand if Jesus was like, come on, guys, just give me a day. All right, let me be alone. I, just, I need some alone time. You could understand if he just didn't land, he was just like, whatever, no, I'm just going to keep on sailing. I'm not, no. (laughs) But it says, when Jesus saw the large crowd, He had compassion on them. And He healed their sick. Jesus put others before Himself and served others. Not just when He was in the best mood. Not just when He was not sad. Even when He would have rather been alone, He put others first. I mean, we talk about how humility is putting others before yourself, and this is humility in action. And by the way, it's good for us to think of humility as an action. Because humility is as much about action as it is attitude. Too often, we sell humility short, and we think humility equals just having this, oh, shucks, (laughs) attitude whenever somebody gives you a compliment. And that's the end of it, and as long as you do that, you have humility. But humility goes beyond just having this sheepish smile and looking down at the ground when you're praised. Humility is not just about how you feel about yourself. It is every bit as much about how you treat others. If you want to be humble, you have to treat others like you value them above yourself. So what are some ways that we can put humility in action and model it in our lives? Number one, treat the lowly as dignitaries. Romans 12:16 tells us live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. God, He doesn't, I mentioned this in Sunday school, uh, He doesn't look at someone's face or clothes or popularity to decide how to treat them. He doesn't look at their wallet. doesn't see, or, do you look clean enough? Do you have a nice haircut? Are your clothes nice? And neither should we. You need to imagine how you would treat a guest of honor. And then you need to treat those that society sees as the least the same way. Number two, prioritize children. This is one group that's just always kind of seen as the least. Mark 10:13 tells us one day that Jesus' disciples blocked some people that were pr- trying to bring their, their kids to Jesus. I'm sure the disciples meant well, but Jesus was mad it's one of the few times he was truly annoyed with them and verse 14 says when jesus saw this he was indignant and he said to them let the little children come to me do not hinder them for the kingdom of god belongs to such as these people who say i don't have time for kids or even worse i don't like children (laughs) they've missed the heart of god They're thinking that they are too important for people that Jesus Christ always had time for. Number three, if you want to put humility into action, then purposefully put yourself into a humble place. In Jesus, he talked of, about uh, seating yourself in a less important seat at a banquet. But for us, it might be Parking further away to let others uh, who can't walk as well park closer. You might be making a, a, a vow with yourself, I'm, I'm going to always pick up trash when I see it. I'm not going to be like, eh, somebody needs to pick that up. And, and keep on going. Um, you're going to pick it up. It, there's a book about this, about purposely putting yourself in a humble place. It's a good leadership book. It's called Leaders Eat Last." And it talks about how, at chow time, um, senior Marines, they will get in the back of the line and they'll let these training Marines, these junior Marines, eat first in the chow line. And it's symbolic of leading by putting those that you care first. You put yourself purposefully in a humble place. Right? So, it might mean you do a chore for somebody take a cart back for somebody, you offer to get a drink when uh, for somebody, you know, these don't have to be super hard actions, but it is purposefully finding ways to put yourself in a humble place. And then, number four, uh, serve. There's no better way to learn humility than by serving others. This goes hand in hand with number three, kind of putting yourself in a humble place, because That often means that you are serving others. So it might mean that you're cooking hot dogs for kids or that you're being a driver for somebody that needs a ride or that you're doing yard work for someone or that you're carrying something for someone, you're helping someone move, you're volunteering to feed someone's animals. I mean, we could be here all day making up ways that you can serve. There's all sorts of ways, but you need to understand service is humility in action. Leading like Jesus requires humility. It requires a focus on God instead of on ourselves that seeks to put others first in what we do. Now, as we come to our invitation time right now, we know Jesus showed us the ultimate example of humility when he came not just to serve, but to give his life for us so that we could be saved through him. So for those that are Christians in here, I challenge you to think of one way that you can put humility into action this week. And for those of you that uh, do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, I invite you to humble yourselves and to start to follow in His steps. Receive the salvation that comes through Him alone. If you have a decision to make today, I invite you to come and see me, come and talk to me while we stand and sing our invitation song, Just a Closer Walk.